Praise the Lord. Since uh, we are doing a prolonged fast, I thought that we would read a passage of Scripture where our Lord Jesus is doing a prolonged fast. So we'll look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. So everybody who's participating in this fast, you should be able to feel closer to Jesus. Because you're walking in his same shoes. Alright, let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Verse 4. Actually, we, we should flow into that, right? Let's start from uh, verse 2, all right? And after fasting four days, on um, 40 days and... Four days. <laughs> Are we even on our fourth day? What? Today's day three? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like day three. Okay, all right. <clears throat> Let's try that again. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Seems like an understatement there. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to just stare at verse 4 there. I know it's a verse that uh, is applicable to to a time of fasting is a verse that we're all familiar with but I want you to stare at it right now because God's going about God's about to jump it off the page and make it alive in your heart Jesus says man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God hallelujah by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This does not say by every word that comes from the pages of the Bible. Although that's how we read it. And that's exclusively how many of us read it. Don't we? When we read this, traditionally, denominationally, you read it as man should not live by every by, you man should not live by bread alone, but by the Bible. All right, how many in here will, will relate to that? Raise your hand. Right, right. Traditionally, all of us have been taught that this simply means the Bible. You can't live by physical bread, but you need every word that's in the Bible. Hallelujah. Now, I I do believe that. That is what God is saying through this passage. But I don't think that's the only thing that he's saying. If you're all ready to receive the word tonight, let me hear you say amen. amen. If you're hungry for the word of God, let me hear you say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Give it to me. Feed me. Feed me. Now, to me, the word mouth it gives me the idea of something that is active, dynamic, engaging. When I look at your mouth and you are able to talk, if I look at your mouth, I don't expect you to say the same thing you said last week. 
When I look at your mouth, I'm expecting something fresh. I'm, ex- I'm expecting something new. Because when you think of the word mouth, you think of something that's dynamic, that's active. And here the word of God says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Once again, it doesn't say every word that comes from the book of God. It says from the mouth of God. So obviously the book came from the mouth. So we got that. That's good. We already got that interpretation. But there is something more that I believe is being said through this word of God. Is that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth. The dynamic, active, speaking mouth of God that still speaks today. By every word that comes from the voice of the Lord. There's another way to think about it. When you think of the word voice, you think of something that's active. That's engaging. You don't engage with words upon a page. You engage with somebody's voice. You talk to somebody, you talk to, and you hear from their mouth. Now, seminaries, a lot of seminaries, you go there and uh, you learn a lot of wonderful things about the Bible. You learn a lot of things about orthodoxy, guys, because that's what, what they specialize in. It's doctrine, teaching, orthodoxy, systems of interpreting the Bible, systems of studying the Bible, systems of even preaching. And a lot of seminaries would teach that God doesn't speak in a voice anymore. When He does speak, He may speak through your circumstance. He may speak through the Bible in your quiet time. He may speak through a friend. But does God still speak in terms of the examples we find in Scripture? Does God still speak like we've heard about and read about in history? Does God still speak in most places Seminaries you go to, they, they teach you that, you know, well, well, of course God can do anything. He's God. But it's very rare. And you have to be pretty special. Okay? And so that's the impression that a lot of people get. And uh, my main point tonight is very simple. My main point is, you got, if you, if you want to have a living, abundant life in relationship to the Lord your God. I got three words for you. It's simply, you got to learn how to keep it fresh. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him that. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. The Word of God says, without revelation, without vision, people perish. What's the Word of God saying there? You see, when people don't get much revelation from the Lord, when they don't stay fresh, when they don't keep it fresh, people begin to, do you know what they do? Begin to depend on methods and programs rather than on the voice of the Lord. Rather than on the leading of the Spirit. Because the leading of the Spirit, by the way, is all just theoretical and conceptual anyway. So people start to depend on methods and programs. They think, well, since God only speaks rarely... We should observe the rare times He has spoken and then we should follow the methods and the programs of that day. So if it worked for them, maybe it will work for us. And that's how a lot of the church, they approach ministry. Are y'all awake tonight? Man, y'all need to wake up. Check this out. This is a good word. This is a good word. I promise you this is a good word. Keep it fresh. There's a lot of revelation in this. Hallelujah. 
And so, brothers and sisters, we have to learn how to keep it fresh. You have to learn to keep it fresh because when you start to put your trust on programs and methods more than on the voice and leading, more than on every word that comes from the mouth of God, when you start to put your trust on the man-made things, that's when you go wrong. That's when you go off. You know, in the story of Exodus, we have Moses. And uh, he takes his staff and he's got millions of Israelites with him. And they come to the Red Sea. And what do you know? They got nowhere to go. And there's an Egyptian army rushing behind them on chariots. Coming to slaughter all the millions of poor Israelites. And so Moses, what does he do? He takes his staff. And then he, I don't know, he, he puts it down. And then all of a sudden the Red Sea splits. And the Israelites, they cross over. Now, how ridiculous would have been... If the people, they saw this, they saw Moses part in the Red Sea and all of them started going, wow, I have to get me one of those sticks. And then later on when Moses is like dead and gone, they find his stick and they go, oh, here's a magic stick. Here's a magic stick. Let me go. Let me see if I can split the Red Sea again. Okay. If they go and they try to do something like that and they try to perform anything with that stick, most likely that stick's not going to do anything. Why? Because it was the power of God that split that Red Sea. It was the power of God. And, but a lot of people, that's what they do today in, in church with ministry. They take old sticks that used to work before, old programs and methods that used to work before, and they go, well, it worked for Moses, might as well, it might work for us, maybe we'll try it. And then they find that ain't not much happening. Or, Take, for example, Gideon and his 300 men. They are outnumbered against huge, I don't know, probably in the millions of troops. And he and 300, and by the way, he had tens of thousands of men, but God made sure that he didn't take all of them into battle. And God told him, the reason why I don't want you to take so many men into battle is just in case you think, just in case you think, that this was because of you and your valiancy that you're going to win this battle. I'm going to show you that it's all me. And how does, how does Gideon's three men, they go into battle? 300 men, they rush down the hill into this valley covered with millions of warriors. They rush down the hill with trumpets and jars. And then they smash the jars and... Da, 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 a sword for Gideon and the sword for the Lord. Or whatever they said. And what, what, next thing you know, the whole valley, all the troops, they turn on each other. And then they have the victory over the Midianites. Now what if later on, the Israelites are up against another army, and they think, remember what Gideon did? Remember, we're kind of outnumbered here. Maybe we should try to do that. What, what if we try to implement what Gideon did? What would have happened? It would have resulted in complete failure. Why? Because once again, it was, it was the power, it was the influence, it was the revelation, it was the moving of God within that valley that gave Gideon the victory, not the methods and the programs. Once again, you got David and Goliath. You know? What if 
the Israelite troops start to think, man, there's something magical about that rock method. We should start to employ that. We should train everybody in the rock method. And he said something before. Can we, can we transcribe that and make everybody memorize it? Right? And they all memorize it. And they all go out with stones and, and say, you come against me with javelins and whatever David said. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. What would happen? All those troops, they would have gotten slaughtered. Why? Once again. All right. It was by obeying every word that came from the mouth of the Lord that David won the victory. It's because the anointing of God was already on him. That the power of God showed up to give him the victory. It was not methods and programs. Now when people believe that God doesn't speak anymore, when they start to believe that God doesn't move supernaturally anymore, the scriptures are not proof that God has spoken more than the scriptures become proof that God has stopped speaking. When people start to think, well, God doesn't speak supernaturally, doesn't move supernaturally, so that means that we have to depend on this book. This is what it's all about. It's all about the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, if it ain't in the Bible, then it ain't God. And then the Bible becomes, I mean, this should be proof that God has spoken and God probably still speaks. But the religious people take it as, look, this is our proof that God has stopped speaking. Everything he ever wanted to say, he said it in here. So you got to look through this if you want to hear the, mouth, the word of the mouth of the Lord. Now, religion wants to hold on to yesterday's methods and programs. But if you want revival, you got to learn how to keep it fresh, brothers and sisters. You got to learn how to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God today. Now, I believe in a very high view of Scripture. And I believe that any prophetic words that any prophet or any gifted, prophetically gifted person speaks, any prophetic words that are given today, they must be in submission to Scripture. Especially in terms of orthodoxy, in terms of right teaching, right doctrine. Every prophetic word has got to be in submission to Scripture. But, when it comes to orthoproxy, which is right experience, or ortho, I'm sorry, orthopathy. I, mean, I always get this mixed up. Anyway, orthopathy, which is right experience, or is the other way, orthoproxy, which is right application, right practice. When it comes to these things, I want to encourage you, you got to make room in your heart. Because God likes to keep, keep it fresh. God is a God who likes to keep things fresh. You got to watch out because God, God will do a sneak attack on you. He'll do one thing one way two years ago and then he'll switch it up. Just when you think, just when you start getting complacent and you start to lean on those methods, when you're supposed to be leaning and being led by the Spirit of God, just when God, God says, oh yeah, you're going to do that? I'm going to send you to Cambodia. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you don't know the story, last year we went to Cambodia and we have been seeing amazing signs and wonders and the fire of God falling. And when we go to the mission trips to Philippines and India, you know, and then a big group of us we went to Cambodia and we learned a hard lesson. 
When we start to just when we start to depend on some of those methods that we had learned about, you know, fire, fire, and praying for people and and seeing you know, signs and wonders, God just switched it up and He just didn't do nothing. And it, it, made, it made me very uncomfortable during the whole trip. First of all, and then at first I started to think there's something wrong with the team. <laughs> and so I said, Lord, move upon their hearts, make them. You know, convict their hearts and, you know, whatever, get their, get their hearts right and I start rebuking the team. And then later on, when nothing, nothing changed, I thought maybe something was wrong with me. So then I started to confess and said, Lord, if there's any sin in my heart, if I'm not, I'm not doing anything. If I'm missing something, let me know, let me know. And, uh, God, God just, He just let us go through the whole trip with just seeing little trickles of His power. And when I came back, I just wrestled with that. I didn't even want to talk about it. Most people know it. I didn't even want to talk about it. People, people didn't even ask about Cambodia. That's the, that's the one trip you don't want to ask about. <laughs> There's a lot of good fruit. There's a lot of love and, you know, we show a lot of love to a lot of different villages. We toured the whole, we, we pretty much toured all of Cambodia. We went everywhere. And, um, but yeah, when I came back from that trip, you know, the Lord spoke through me, spoke to me through Bill Johnson. And Bill Johnson was just saying, this is just the nature of our God. When he shows you one way and you see amazing fruit and success, and then just as you start to get used to that, it just dries all up. Just so that you can get out of your complacency and not depend on the method and program or on the form but you depend solely on the Holy Spirit because he'll switch it up on you God keeps it fresh God's a fresh king he keeps it fresh hallelujah you know and God is a God of creativity and innovation I want you to just look around in this room right now just look at y'all each other look at each other's faces look at each other's faces how is it that no one in this room looks the same? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And you know, when you get on uh, Nintendo Wii or, or you go on PS3 and you create your own avatar, you create your own avatar and when you create your own face and skin color and, and eye width and nose placement and nose size and ear placement, man, you realize, wow! There's a lot of infinite, there's a lot of diversity of faces that can come out from just changing up eye width. You know, some people in here, you know, your eyes are real far apart. And then other people, y'all like real close together. <laughs> Look like they t- they're about to touch. <laughs> but, uh, but how is it, how is it that no one in here looks the same? Why? Because God is a God of creativity and innovation. When he creates a new person to be introduced into the world, he creates them fresh. He doesn't use some model, some cookie cutter model he used 5,000 years ago and everybody forgot about it and hope, I hope nobody finds out about this. And then he creates, no, he keeps it fresh. Nobody in all of history has ever looked like you. They might look similar, but not quite. You're very unique. Every person has a unique thumbprint. Why? Because God, man, He keeps it fresh. That's just His nature. When you look at each other, you can see the nature of God. God's a God of creativity, innovation. He keeps it fresh. 
And I believe God doesn't like doing the same thing the same way every single time. Somebody say, God is not predictable. God is not predictable. I mean, check this out. Now, I'm going to use that example later. Hallelujah. That's a good example. I'm going to use that later. (laughs) God is not predictable. God is not predictable. And whenever man has tried to put God in a box, God loves to rip that box up, doesn't he? I don't know what your experience of God has been like. If you got God in your box still, let me tell you right now. Get ready to let go of that box. Because God's not going to stay in that box. God loves to just rip it all up. He likes to do He likes to keep it fun. He likes to keep it fresh. Because God is a fresh God. Think about, think about just uh, in this fast. Y'all have been going out shopping for fruits and vegetables so that you can put it in your blender, right? You've probably never shopped for fruits and vegetables so much in, my li- in your life, right? Now, when you go to the supermarket, all right? How many of you guys will go to the supermarket and want to pick up fruits and vegetables that are labeled one week old, two weeks old? Uh, how about three weeks old, all right? Some old fruits and vegetables, you could tell it's shriveling up. The bananas, peels are all brown and spotted. The cucumber is all harmony and wrinkly. Like it looks in, like in my fridge. <laughs> That's, that's me, right? Can I turn that off? Who wants to eat fruits and vegetables that are old? Nobody, right? Everybody in here, when you go to the supermarket and you're going to spend your good hard-earned money, what are you going to buy? You're going to buy fresh produce. You're going you're gonna to look at a whole pile of fresh produce and then you're going to pick it up and smell it, pick it up and smell it because you're looking for the freshest one. I'm telling you, we got to learn how to keep it fresh. Because our God is a God who keeps it fresh. You know, religion fears that anything that is fresh or creative must be heretical. That's what religion teaches. Religious spirits that influence godly preachers and teachers. Religion puts a fear into the body of Christ that anything that is fresh or creative must be heretical. And so, they believe whatever God wants to do, He's done it already. So it's all in the Scriptures. So, they think, if it ain't in the Scriptures, then it must not be God. Whatever God has ever conjured up and ever wanted to do, it's all in the scriptures. So if it ain't in there, then it ain't God. And so they look at a fresh move of God. They look at a revival. They look at culture. And they look at things that are fresh or new or creative. And things that are foreign to them, they start to think, well, that's demonic. Well, that's heretical. Think about it this way. You know, back a few decades ago, the church was crying out that rock and roll is of the devil. How many of y'all, how many, how many of y'all remember that, right? Rock and roll is the devil. Or maybe y'all too young, all right? <laughs> People like about my age or older, 
we all remember, okay, about the 70s and 80s. I mean, and, and most rock and roll back then was kind of demonic, you know. <laughs> there was a lot of like, you know, occultic type, you know. And I read the Led Zeppelin, you know, it's, it's, it's very good, like rock and roll. But if you know the history of Led Zeppelin, you know what they used to do. They used to be in the back of the stage. They used to do all kinds of occultic practices before they go on the stage. And then Jimmy Page will get this amazing ability to play the guitar. Play these amazing solos. And uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, rock and roll could have appeared demonic. But there are so many people in church. There are some people in church that are still hung up on that. They still think rock and roll is demonic. Just because it's fresh. Because it's creative. Because it's new. But what, what happens now? Almost every song we sang here tonight has elements of rock and roll in it, doesn't it? When we worship God up in the Sunday, Sunday service, we got a full-size band. We have an electric guitar. We have a drum. Where did all that come from? Well, it came from rock and roll. That's where it came from. It didn't come, it kind of, it didn't come from within the four walls of the church. It came from the culture of rock and roll that God introduced onto the earth at a point in time where we did not have rock and roll before. The King David did not have rock and roll before. He had a harp, all right? But he didn't have But God introduced it why? It wasn't so Led Zeppelin could get millions of dollars. God introduced rock and roll onto the earth to bless the church. Church that God's doing something fresh and new. He wants to be praised. God wants fresh praise. Amen? I'm telling you, if you were able to travel back in time, every time period that you travel to, I bet you praise will not sound the same as the previous generation. Hallelujah. And you know what? 50 years from now, 40 years from now, when our children are praising God with a different kind of music genre, we might be tempted to say, hey, hey, hey. Come here, get with the good stuff. Hillsong. Mom, Hillsong is so 2010. Or hip-hop. Hip-hop, man. And more recent. People kept saying hip-hop is demonic hip-hop. It got no place in the church. Gangster rap. Remember when gangster rap first came out? NWA with F the police. You know, like all this controversy. <laughs> but you know what? I remember as a kid, I loved rap. I loved hip-hop. I loved hip-hop. And you know what? You know what my theory is? God introduced hip-hop onto the earth. And then Satan immediately takes it and, and perverts it. You know, because you had, you had Run DMC. You know, you, you had some good, clean hip-hop. And then all of a sudden you see all this perverted hip-hop coming up. Just because it's fresh or creative does not make it heretical. I mean, come on, man. I love hymns. And I want to honor the history of hymns. Because at one point in time, when the organists start to play, and all our previous ancestors, they used to worship God in the church, the moment they started hanging, singing them hymns, they would cry. They would, they would, I don't know if they lifted their hands, but they probably did. And, and, and well, one hand, because they have to hit. Other. <laughs> 
holding the book and lifting the other hand. But they, that was what was fresh back then, was the hymns. But well, let's face the music here. The anointing that used to be on hymns is not quite there for today. There, it is sometimes when we sing it once in a while. But man, there, come on, man, there ain't no anointing on the hymns today. You got to face the music. If you're still stuck on that issue, God, God bless you. But let me just say, man, there's no fresh anointing on the hymns. Why, why, why does God do that? Why can't God keep the anointing on the hymns and on the rock and roll and on the hip hop and all the, you know, why can't he do that? Like, like what Danny and Caroline and Mikey and Eunice did like a month ago with their hip hop dance up here, you know. And they're dancing and then, yeah, and I saw a picture of God's love through their dance. It was amazing. Like when, when Danny, on the, on the Jesus culture song where it says, you know, um, you know, your, your love, your love rages like, uh, what's the lyrics go? Um, yeah, come be the fire. And, and he was doing all these like flares and hip hop flares and break dancing. That break dancing gave me a picture of God's raging love for me. It was amazing. I wasn't open to that like maybe 10 years ago. Break dancing in, on, on a stage at a church? What? Are you kidding me? But God's always doing something fresh. And what we need to do is we need to get off the methods, the traditions, the programs. We need to learn how to honor them. We need to show respect where respect is due, but we don't showing respect doesn't mean we get stuck on it and say this is the only way. Because our God is a God who, who keeps things fresh. People who hold on to methods and tradition rather than onto the voice of the Lord, rather than onto the the words that come from the very mouth of God, people who hold on to methods and traditions rather than the word of God, they end up with lifeless, dead religion. And it just feels like a waiting game for everybody in the church to get old and to die off so you can move on. You ever get that sense at some churches you go to? Now you look at the Methodist denomination. Now John Wesley was a man on fire. You want to talk about Denzel Washington, man on fire? Talk about John Wesley, man on fire. He will tell people, come, come put yourself on fire for God. And people will come watch you burn. John Wesley, man, he was a revivalist. He would go to, uh, you know, onto the fields, into the farms, and he would gather people. And he had these huge revivals. Supernatural power of God would show up. People get saved everywhere. People crying everywhere. But you look, you look at the denomination that bears his name. A lot of the denominations that bears his name. And with all the respect to these denominations for the rich traditions. But you can tell, man, the same spirit that was on John Wesley left those denominations generations ago. Why? Because those denominations, they got obsessed with everything that was John Wesley. His programs, his methods, his approaches rather than keeping it fresh with the Spirit of God. Well, this, is, this is a very dangerous thing. Because we could experience a mighty powerful revival here at, at New Philadelphia. 
and we can fall into the same trap just a couple decades later. That's why we've got to keep it fresh. I want to turn to your neighbor and tell them again, keep it fresh. So, there's a few ways we can keep it fresh. One is, you got to keep your praise fresh. You got to always have fresh praise. Why do we sing every week? Well, it's because we got to offer up to God the sacrifice of praise. And that praise, I mean, I love it when, like Hillsong, or Hillsong is the... Is a ministry that's been producing some of the best songs these days. Hillsong United, when they come out with a new song, and it's just on, on the, on, it's just like good lyrics, it's got the feel, the anointings on it, man, a fresh song comes out. I just want to praise God like I've never praised God before. Anybody else get that experience? Well, that is fresh praise rising up from your heart. And when you come before God, you always want to give God fresh praise. You don't want to give them some ritual. You don't want to give them some, some Christian jargon. You want to engage your heart, your mind, and you want to give God fresh praise. Fresh thanksgiving. Whether praise comes in the form of a song, in a prayer, or in the, in a, in a form of an offering. You know, when you bring an offering before God, a financial offering before God, or some kind of monetary valued offering, that's praise unto God. Let me, don't get, don't, don't get yourself mistaken that God doesn't care about money. He does. Because all over the Old Testament, whenever they praised God, they made sacrifices. And back then, those sacrifices were costly. It was messy. They had to bring animals and sacrifice them and kill them. They had to make sure those animals were spick and spank clean. That they, they were, they were the, the best animals. You didn't offer to God the, 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 the limping animal. You brought before him the the best. That's fresh praise. And we as God's people, we got to always know, we got to learn how to keep it fresh with our praise. Every day, it should be fresh praise coming forth from your mouth. Because, you know, when when you give God fresh praise, you see, praise, praise takes you into the atmosphere of heaven. You know, I was listening to um, a Larry Randolph message on, the, on my way here. And Larry Randolph was looking at this one woman of God. And, and praise God for female ministers because they're, they're powerful, man. And he got, he got baptized in water by a female minister. He got baptized in the spirit by another female minister. So he was just saying, oh, I love women. You know, women, women have really been a blessing to me. And uh, one time I was looking at this revivalist and he, he, she would just fire and boom, you know, people getting, you know, Blasted by God, whacked by God. And then he looked, and it was just a conversational question. It was just a rhetorical question. He said, Lord, what does she have that I don't? How does she move in that kind of power? What does she have that I don't? And he felt like the revelation got boom, put inside of his spirit at that very moment. God answered his question. And he said, It's because she spends liberal amounts of time. In praise and worship in my presence. You see, what happens when you spend time praising the Lord? Fresh praise takes you into fresh encounters with heaven. 
And when you are a man or a woman that's familiar with heaven, heaven's going to follow you wherever you go. You're able to release the kingdom. You're able to release the power of heaven all around you. That's why it's so powerful to praise and worship. It's a form of warfare. It's a form of thanksgiving. But, it, man, it's so much more than it. It's so much deeper than that. Fresh praise. We've got to keep it fr- fresh with praise. Second, we've got to keep it fresh with revelation. If you haven't heard something fresh from the Lord, whether it's a teaching, whether it's a specific prophetic word that applies to your life, whether it is a, an idea, some kind of creative idea, if, if it's been a while since you've gotten fresh revelation from the Lord, there's a problem. You need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, come on. I want to hear from you. But you know what? Most people, they, they skip over that. They say, well, I, I'm a God the sovereign. I'm sure he'll speak when he wants to. <laughs> Poor me. Pastor Christian, can you pray for me? I just feel like I can't connect with God. I just feel like God doesn't care and God doesn't want to speak to me. Well, you know, the self-pity doesn't move the resources of heaven. (laughs) You know how you get fresh revelation when you ain't getting fresh revelation? You knock on the doors of heaven. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened onto you. Faith is what moves the resources of heaven. And if you want God to speak, then you got to stay hungry for it. You got to press in with that tension and say, Lord, come on. It's been a while. Speak to me. Speak to me. Hallelujah. And that, that in itself, that kind of prayer, it positions your mind with an awareness for even every little detail to speak to you. You're looking for divine appointments. You're looking for divine messages. When you're hungry, it heightens your awareness to hear revelation from God. But when you're not hungry, God can speak all he wants. And he just like, (laughs) doesn't want to speak to me. That was weird. He doesn't want to speak to me. And when God speaks, it's it's just some weird incident. Come on, people of God. We need to keep it fresh with revelation. This has got to be the norm. And if it ain't the norm, you got to reject whatever status quo you've been living in. Disallow that. Say, God, this is not good. Without revelation, without vision, your people perish. Lord, I want to stay the course. I got big assignments ahead of me. I need you to speak to me. I need to live not by bread alone, not just even by the book alone. But I need every word that comes from your mouth, oh God. Whether you speak it through the scripture, you speak it through somebody else, you speak it through circumstance, you speak it through a prophetic word, you speak it through a dream, a vision, you speak it, Lord. But I got to hear from you, Lord. This relationship ain't going to work if you ain't speaking. I need to hear from you, Lord. You got to keep it fresh with revelation. Another way you got to keep it fresh, you got to keep the fresh fire. Let me talk to you something about the fire. Because our church is all about the fire here, right? And we've experienced a supernatural fire. But so many times I see people, they don't know how to keep it fresh. They love the fire one week. And then they just have the smell of smoke on them the following week. They don't know how to keep the fire fresh. 
brothers and sisters, we got to, the Bible commands us. God commanded the, the priests, and he said, you must keep the fire on the altar burning continuously. And what was a ceremonial law for the priests of the Old Testament, all right, it becomes a personal command for the priests of the New Testament. See, we have no physical fire to keep burning on an altar on a physical temple. But there is, a, there is an altar of your heart. There's an altar that you keep right here. Your heart has an ability to burn for the, whole, for the, for, for the Lord. And God commands, when He gives you the fire of God, you are to keep that fire burning continuously. You got to do whatever you got to do to keep that fire burning. If you were stranded on the island and you had to cook fish and you had to make a fire and you've been trying to make a fire, you're trying to imitate whatever they do on TV, but it ain't working. And you've been working at it for a whole week and all of a sudden, fire! Whoa! Whoa! There's fire! There's fire! And the fire starts to burn and you're like, yeah, there's fire! Yeah! And you're like, cast away, yeah, fire! You're getting all excited about the fire and then you still see the fire burn down. What do you do? You get a piece of paper. You get a piece of dry wood. You do whatever it takes. You, you, I gotta keep this fire burning. You gotta do whatever you do to keep that fire burning. Same with the fire of God. You add some logs of God's word in there. You go get a prophetic word from a man of God, a woman of God. Prophetic minister, you get an impartation. You go listen to podcasts. You know, Chris Vellantin said something real convicting to me the other day. He was preaching and he's teaching and he's saying that if the only time you get fed is once a week, that is the sign of a dysfunctional relationship. So many Christians, they go around Saying, I don't get fed at my church. Therefore, I don't get fed. Because that's the only place I get fed. I don't get fed at my church. I can't keep going there. As a Christian, I can't keep going there. I, I don't get anything out of the messages. I don't get fed. Look, if the only place you're getting fed is once a week inside the house of God, there's a problem. If you're only hearing from God once a week, there's a problem. You want to nurture a relationship. You come to the house of God. Filled with the Word of God. Applying the Word of God. You're only rolling with it. Whether it's Christian books, podcasts, come on. How many times in here do I still got to rebuke y'all for having an empty iPod? It's just filled with all kinds of music, which is good. But where is the preaching? Where is the teaching? You know how I can tell who's really hungry and who's really keeping the fire going, who's really keeping it fresh, and who's just settling for last month's produce? You know how I can tell? They message me. What are the podcasts you listen to, Pastor Christian? And I, I sometimes I have to be like, man, you can't handle what I, what I got. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I could recommend some of this stuff. I don't, you, can't, you can't digest this yet. You're going to choke on it. Let me give you some milk. Here, go, go. Go, go listen to this guy. He's, he's, uh, he's pretty digestible. <laughs> no, but I see that hunger. I see the hunger. But you know, a lot of people, man, other people, they don't, they, don't know, they don't know how to keep the fire fresh. And they just let it, they let it 
took it down to a Kindle. And then, and then, and then they, they somehow, they somehow got the nerve to hold me responsible for the fire that died in their hearts. I ain't having that. You come up to me and, you know, oh, my fire is gone. No, I, I mean, I, my fire is gone, Pastor Christian. <laughs> my fire is gone, Pastor Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, why don't you keep it going? Why are you looking at me? You're the one who needs to keep it fresh. You know, um, when, I, when I watch professional sports like the NFL, you know what's exciting every year about the NFL? There's fresh fire for football. I, I, don't you find that amazing? I mean, they've been doing this for so many years. But every year the fans get really passionate. And the teams and the players get really passionate. There's fresh fire every single year for the NFL. And for most sports you can, you can look at. There's a fresh fire there. How do these fans and players and coaches, how do they keep the fire so fresh? Well, I'll tell you how. Because they're always stepping out with a victory mindset. I'm telling you, if, they, if any team approaches a season with a defeated mentality, there's not going to be much fresh fire on that team. You ever look at a team that's rebuilding... Like the Detroit Lions or Oakland Raiders. You ever see a team? I'm sorry, Rob Hotchin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dale and all y'all in Oakland. But, you know, when teams rebuilding, there, there ain't much passion. There's no fire for the team. You know, the players don't have much fire for the team. Because they, they, they already know they ain't going to win the Super Bowl. You know? They're not aiming for the Super Bowl even. And, and it's, it's smart. It's a long-term way. And, and there's a lot of analogies you can get out of that as well. The church needs to learn how to think long term, you know. But once the, the church is like grown and, and it's mature, you got to start thinking Super Bowl. You got to start thinking victory. When you go out on missions, you ain't looking just for a fight. You're looking for victory. Hey, hallelujah. That's how you get the fresh fire on your team and in your church is you continue to go out for victory. You continue to adapt to personnel changes, injuries. John Michael got injured. Whoops. All right, that's all right. We're going to adapt, everybody. Lisa, you come over here. Mina, you take his place. Whatever needs to happen. But that's what a football team can do. Why can't the church learn how to do it? Why is, why is somebody drops out and the whole church is like defeated? The praise leader drops out. The star quarterback, I guess, right? And the whole team thinks, oh, there ain't no, no, no hope here. Nah, brothers you see a good team, you see like New England Patriots, they could lose some of their star players, their injury, the trades, whatever. They keep it fresh. They keep that fresh fire every single year. They learn to adapt. And that's what we need to do. We need to learn how to adapt. Hallelujah. You got to keep it fresh with the fire of God. And last area that I want to point out, you got to keep it fresh with love. Can I say something? You got to keep your love for God fresh. Don't let it get old. Don't let it get stale. Don't let it get lukewarm. You got to keep your love fresh. You know, romance by definition is fresh. 
If you don't know how to keep things fresh, you will not be a very romantic guy. And you know, I'm, I'm starting to learn that. <laughs> I'm starting to learn that. As I've been married now for almost two years, I noticed that the things that made Aaron go, <sighs> just maybe a year and a half ago, I repeat it and it does have not have the same effect. <laughs> There's no romance to it. Why? Because the, the love has got to be fresh. The love has got to be fresh, brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you right now, we are in a romance with God. And we forget that. We forget that we are in a romance with God. And oftentimes, we're, we're so busy getting romanced, we forget that God loves a little romance too. He loves it when you keep your love for Him fresh. The Bible says, find out what pleases the Lord and go do it. And Brother Michael used to pound that passage, that, that scripture into my head all the time. Brother, because back in my college days, I used to not do quiet time. Man, I was just not disciplined about it at all. I mean, at all. But when I would have the quiet time, I would make it up. It would be like a three-hour quiet time once every two months. But man, it was a powerful quiet time. Because there was a like calling on my life. So God, God was like, I mean, you need to play catch up. Let me, let me bless you. But uh, he would always say, find out what pleases the Lord better. That's what the Bible says. And he used to say something else. He used to say, you know what Jesus said, brother Christian? Brother Christian, Jesus said, this is eternal life. That they may know you. Eternal life. Is a relationship with God, brother. Don't ever get it mixed up with service or whatever else you're doing for Him. Eternal life is a living relationship with God. But it says we got to learn how to keep our love for God fresh. You got to think of it like a river. A river is constantly being replenished from its source. And rivers are where people go to drink. People don't drink from ponds normally. Or from creeks. Or from marshes and nasty water like that. People don't, well, they go to rivers. Because rivers are constantly being replenished from the source. And that's how we got to live the Christian life. We have to got to keep it fresh in every area of our lives. And we got to hear from God. And we got to connect with God. We got to experience God. Experience is not just incidental. Experience is central to the Christian life. You cannot turn the experience of God into concepts. And expect to get the same kind of relationship. God is to be experienced. He wants you to experience Him. We got to experience the manifest, undeniable presence of God on an ongoing manner. Or inside something will die. Yeah, there are emotional roller coasters, but guess what? It sure feels good when you're on top. And as you mature, those roller coaster rides don't get so up and down. It stays up and a little down, up a little less down, up a little, and we up, up, up into heaven. Hallelujah. Yeah. Tired of that argument. 
Well, I don't want to get all emotional. I don't want to have an emotional roller coaster. I don't want to go to this retreat. And I, I, I've been there, done that. I don't want that kind of experience with God. Korea, you know, it may get. Korea, you know, it's this big emotional up, the spiritual high, and then I came home. <laughs> and God just was not the same. No, brothers and sisters, the same God you're experiencing here in Korea is the same God that will accompany you back home. It's the same God that would use you like he's using Emily Swen, like he's using Rona Bab, like he's using, uh, who, who else did I read the email from the other day? Joanna, hallelujah, from USC. God will use you college students. You guys are some of our best missionaries. You know why? One, because you're young and sharp. Your mind is still moldable, teachable. Some of these old folks in here, it takes a longer time to teach them some of the stuff, same stuff. You soak it up like a sponge. And then you know what? And then you love the fire and then you go back home and you're ready to apply it right away because you got that kind of recklessness in, inside of you. You got that wild stallion spirit of youth. God loves that. God loves that. And you know what? You don't have a choice. Most of you, you have to go back home. Man, any of us, we can choose whether to go on the missions field or go back home or something. You don't have a choice. You get sent no matter what. And as you get sent, God tells you, I had this plan for you all along. And I'm going to use you in amazing ways that will blow your mind. I remember there's a girl named Sylvia that used to be with our prayer team. Two weeks after she got back to a very liberal, spirited campus, college campus back in, back in the States. I won't name which campus. Within two weeks, she sent us an email and said that she laid hands on some older lady that was struggling with her faith or something. And the moment she laid hands on the lady, the lady just fell back under the power of God. Started shaking, manifesting. She got filled with the Holy Spirit. Sylvia wasn't even expecting that. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, the experience of God is not just incidental. It's not irrelevant. It's got to be central to our Christian walk. If we want to relate to God, we must go beyond information to intimacy. The experience of God you got to go from explanations to experience. The Bible says God is spirit and his worshipers must what? Worship in spirit and in truth. Not in concepts and in doctrines. Not just in information. His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. You were created to experience God. It's in your nature. Satan is trying to convince you otherwise. But it's in your nature. Hallelujah. I want to Aaron for this last point right here. Hold on, I'm going to go over one more point before Aaron comes back. Is that all right? You know, a lot, a lot of people, they look at the, um, the revivals going on on the earth. And then they look at some of these charismatic movements. And they, they say things like, man, look at this. Man, look at all these people shaking. Look at all these people laughing in the middle of your message. This is all off. Look at all these manifestations, man. They just look, they, they just doesn't look like God. God is a God of order, the Bible says. Y'all is just off. Well, let me submit to you. Don't you think there's something off when churches today put all their emphasis on a Bible that the early church did not have? And then they completely ignore, criticize, 
the supernatural power of the spirit that they did have? Who's the one that's off? And because we have both the power and the Bible now, we'll be held up to even a higher accountability. But who's the one that is off? We're experiencing God here. It might look a little messy, but we are experiencing God. And we, we got to be, we got to stop being so afraid to experience God. You know, our sister Krista was here this past weekend, and she is such a fresh breath of air. I just love Krista. She, she, I think she had some training at Toronto Airport Church, and um, she, she was out here in Chunju, so she could only come out on certain weekends. And uh, I just, I was, uh, Tanya had brought um, a few girls that were that were kind of escaped the um, the sex industry up in Osan. And she had brought them to Itaewon. And she was so excited that we could maybe perhaps pray for them and stuff. And so, as I was going to approach these girls, I was thinking, Lord, what, well, how am I going to pray for them? And the Lord said, don't worry, open heaven, baby, open heaven. Just open up heaven and I'll show up. I said, alright, Lord. And the Lord put it on my heart, grab Krista. Grab Krista. So I just I said, Krista, hey, we're going to pray for some girls here. You want to join, you want to join us? And she's like, yeah, yeah, thanks so much. I'm, I'm so excited. And so she comes and we pair up together and we pray for this one girl, this Filipino girl. And, and we pray for her and I prayed this, this awesome prayer. <laughs> but uh, there was no sign of emotion on her face. You know, and I just wanted to see her like shed one tear at least. <laughs> to see that God was touching her heart. But you know, I didn't have to, but you know. But then Krista had prayed, I had prayed, and there was nothing. And then the, the other girls were praying for another girl. That Filipino girl was, oh! I was like, Lord, I want some of that here. And then Krista just looked at, look at this Filipino girl. She's only about 23 years old. And she's uh, three months pregnant. And, and she has, she's from Davao, an area that we had sent our missions team to a year ago. And uh, she's here by herself. And Krista just started to speak to her out of the heart of the Father. Like Ron Hodgkin kind of trained us. She just kept saying, you know, God really loves you. God loves you so much. And she said it about maybe three or four times. And all of a sudden, this girl, she breaks. And she just starts to weep. And then Krista gets more specific words. And just speaks it out. And she just gets more and more just... And then I get words. And I say, this and this. And can I pray about your visa and your job? And that hits her even more. She starts crying more. And I was just like, wow. This is what it's all about. I never experienced something like that. I mean, I pray for a lot of different people. I never got to pray for somebody coming out of a brothel. I'm trying to escape the sex industry. And man, God just showed up with fresh love. Fresh revelation. And just, and just touched their heart. Look, we're, 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 we, it might look a little bizarre, but we are experiencing God, brothers and sisters. And the way that you can tell it is from God or not is to ultimately you look at the children. You look at the fruit of a movement. And I'm sorry for all the critics and haters that hated on Toronto 15 years ago, that hated on Vineyard 20 years ago, that hated on Bethel Church 10 years ago. 
people hated on West, uh, Stacey and Wesley Campbell. And yes, even last two years ago, people who hated on Tom Bentley. Okay, I'm not making excuses for Tom Bentley's moral failures. But look, the fruit of these people's movements is true salvations, spirit-filled people, ministries revived. They're experiencing God. While all these other haters, they're in their offices criticizing and conceptualizing God. And they're still feeding off of yesterday's revival. Brothers and sisters, I want to end with this. Honey, I wanted you here for this last point. You know, we're doing 21 days of fasting. And like I said earlier, if you want to keep your love for God fresh, I mean, you got to keep your love, you keep your love for God fresh. That's what I said, yeah. Because romance has got to be fresh, right? Well, check this out. I felt like God gave me this revelation while we were praising earlier. We're doing these 21 days of fasting. Maybe these 21 days, brothers and sisters, be like 21 flowers unto the Lord our God. 21 days of devotion, lifting up sweet fragrance and perfume into the throne of God. I just feel like it might be cheesy, but I just felt like God was like, give me them flowers. Just give me them flowers. And we just, we just going at the end of this passage, just be like, Lord, here's, here's a bouquet right here. It's all for you. It's all for you, Lord. That's how you keep your love fresh. Was this fasting, man? It's keeping our love for God fresh. Anyway, the whole point of the message is to keep it fresh. Let's close our eyes. Let's close in prayer right now. I want you to hit any one of those four points and there could be other areas that you've thought of yourself <clears throat> but whether it's your praise and worship life has become quite dead lately and become routine has become ritualistic has become religious all right i want you to ask god lord keep my praise fresh to you if it's your revelation and you haven't been really able to hear from god or maybe that's the pattern you've never even been introduced to in your life you've never experienced that in your life then cry out for it. Live in the tension until you see it come into your life. Until you see and you hear God speaking to you regularly. But keep it fresh in the area of revelation. You need it. You need it. Or fire. If you're fire, your passion, you're more excited about the NFL than you are about the kingdom of God. Hey, the NFL can be a great inspiration, but check this out. The kingdom is so much more exciting. There's so much more dramatic, amazing things happening. There's so many amazing players in the NFL, but check this out. There's amazing players fighting for the kingdom of God. If it's fresh fire that you need, just ask the Lord for it. Or if it's fresh love and you know that your area of love has just kind of become routine and, and dead and traditional, I want you to pray to God and ask God, Lord, keep my love for you fresh, Lord. Like whatever you do, Lord, keep everything in my life fresh onto you, Lord. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, everybody. Just hit your own prayer points. Keep it fresh, y'all. Keep it fresh.